The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, November 28, 2021, on the basis of Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, here we are again. The way a person feels when they say those words, the tone in their voice, the expression on their face, depends in large part on what they are talking about. For example, the person could mean, well, here we are again at the start of another busy holiday season with all of the parties, all of the presents, all of the shopping, all of the decorating that is in store for us during the next five weeks. Or they might mean, well, here we are again, having just found out again that our county's mask mandate has been extended and that another variant, another COVID variant is causing some people some concern. Or for that matter, we might simply mean, well, here we are again. After 11 games, the record of the Green Bay Packers is 8-3, and three, exactly the same record that they've had the past two seasons after winning the fi final five games of the year. We'll see what happens this year, right? Here we are again. The way a person feels when they talk about being in the same place over and over again depends on what that place is. So, here we are again. It is Sunday morning, the 9 o'clock hour. Each and every week at this time and in this place, we gather together and we follow a pretty predictable routine when we do. Not only that, but... Today, this Sunday, is the first Sunday in a brand new season of the church here called Advent. And in fact, it's the very first Sunday of an entirely new church year. What's going to happen in the next 52 Sundays? What do those 52 Sundays have in store? Well, spoiler alert, this year is going to be a lot like last year was and a lot like the year before that. Each and every year, our weekly worship revolves around the works and the words of Jesus. His birth, his life, his suffering and death, his resurrection, and his teachings. So yes, at the start of a new year, here we are again. How do you suppose we're supposed to feel about that? There are a lot of other facets of our lives as human beings that sort of condition us to believe that things that are repetitious, things that are cyclical in nature, are not very good. We're conditioned to believe that if something is going to hold our interest, if something is going to be worth our while, then it always has to be new and exciting. Or at the very least, that if we're doing something over and over again, at least we're going somewhere. At least we are making progress. A student goes to math class each and every day, yes, but math class for a freshman in high school is a little bit different than math class for a kindergartner. So how are we supposed to feel about being here once again. At the start of a brand new church here, it's a good day to ask that question. It's a good day to have a good answer to that question. And thankfully, these verses from the book of the prophet Jeremiah give us exactly that. These verses teach us to view things that are repetitive, things that are cyclical in nature, not as dull or uninteresting, but as comforting, as dependable and reliable as certain. 
In fact, the reason we are here again is not even so much because we decided that it was something we needed to do on a Sunday morning. Instead, we are here once again because God planned this. Believe it or not, God called this. God promised and predicted this. And it is for that very reason that we can not just say, but say with enthusiasm and joy, here we are again, just like clockwork. Really, the entire ministry of the prophet Jeremiah can be described using that word predictable. From the very first day that God called the prophet Jeremiah, he told him exactly what he was going to be doing as a prophet. God said that he would send Jeremiah to uproot and tear down, but then also to build and to plant. So if the people that Jeremiah served were like a plant, Jeremiah was first going to pull up that which is old, but then in its place, plant something new. Or if God's people, the people that Jeremiah served, were like a building, Jeremiah was first going to tear down what was old, but then in its place construct something new. And two prophecies in Jeremiah in particular illustrate this. Two prophecies that are nearly identical. One of those prophecies occurs in chapter 23. And it's a prophecy about Israel's kings, Judah's rulers, the people who were sitting on that throne in Jerusalem and had been sitting there going all the way back to the time of King David. In that prophecy, Jeremiah said that that royal family tree of David was going to be chopped down. It was going to be reduced to a lifeless stump. But then from that lifeless stump, a new branch would shoot up. A new king would emerge, one who would rule wisely and justly, one who would restore peace and order. And Jeremiah says that this new king would have a name. He would be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now in the second prophecy, this prophecy, which again is nearly identical to that other one, Jeremiah says something not about Israel's, not about Judah's kings, but about Judah's city. Jerusalem. Just like that royal family tree of David, their city was going to be chopped down. It was going to be reduced to nothing more than a pile of rubble. But again, from that lifeless stump, a new branch was going to shoot up. A new city, new citizens would emerge. That city and those citizens would share many of the same characteristics that the king himself had, including they would share the very same name. His name would be their name, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now realize that the people in Jeremiah's day didn't want anything to do with these two nearly identical prophecies. They didn't want to hear Jeremiah's words at all because that royal family line of David and that city of Jerusalem with its beautiful temple and its high and sturdy walls, those things were Judah's pride and joy. They were the things with which they equated their identity as a nation and as a people. They didn't want a new king. They didn't want a new city. Do you think that mattered? Of course not. God said that this was going to happen, and so this was going to happen. And sure enough, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar from a nation called Babylon came and destroyed Jerusalem, burned it, and then leveled its remains to the ground. 
the man who was king at that time, a king by the name of Zedekiah, Nebuchadnezzar took his two sons, in other words, the two people who would have kept reigning after him, and he killed them right in front of Zedekiah's eyes. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes so that that was the very last thing that he ever saw. Then they carried him and most of Jerusalem's inhabitants off into exile. But from that lifeless stump, from that building that had been reduced to nothing but ash and rubble, God kept the other part of his promise too. Something new, a new branch came shooting forth. The prophecy about the king was of course fulfilled in Jesus. And the prophecy about the city and its citizens is fulfilled in us. Jesus came to be that king from David's family line, to rule justly and wisely. He came to fight and win against our enemies for us. He came to set us free from their captivity. He came to defeat once and for all sin and death and Satan. Jesus is indeed the Lord, our righteous Savior. And we, we are, our identity is exactly the same. We have been given the very same name as our king. That was the name that we were given when we were baptized, when we were adopted into God's family. That is the name that we really celebrate each and every time that we gather here to focus on the things that we do. There's a reason why each and every year we review the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's because Jesus did those things not for himself, but Jesus did those things as one of us and in all of our place. Those stories are our story. Those events belong to us. Through faith in Jesus, it is as if we were the ones who went through them. They have been credited to us. And so his name has been given to us too, the Lord, our righteous Savior. God promised that this would happen and look, it has happened, just like clockwork. And yet it's not just that this has happened. It's not just that here we are. It's that here we are again. And that's the part of, of Jeremiah's prophecy that we aren't going to want to hear any more than the people in Jeremiah's day did. You see, as much as these two prophecies are very, very similar, nearly identical, here's one important difference. When Jeremiah talked about the king who would shoot up from that lifeless stump of David's royal family line, he uses a verb that indicates that this is just going to happen one time. Jesus just needed to come to earth one time. He needed to be born, he needed to live, he needed to die, he needed to, die, he needed to rise one time. But here in this prophecy, when he talks about a new city and its new citizens shooting up from a lifeless stump, he uses a verb that indicates that this is something that's going to happen over and over and over again. And that's the part of the prophecy that you and I aren't going to want to hear either. You see, just like the people in Jeremiah's day, we too have things in our lives that we are tempted to make our pride 
and our joy. Things that we are tempted to equate with our identity as people. Things where we are tempted to say, here, this is who I am. This is what I want my name to be associated with. Maybe it's the things that we accomplish in the classroom or in the conference room. Maybe it's our popularity or our reputation. Maybe it's the amount of money that we make or the car that we drive. Maybe it's the causes that we support or the virtuous things that we do. So what is God supposed to do with all that? What else God can what, what else can God do with that? Before you construct a new building, you have to tear down the old one. Before a new shoot can spring up, the old tree needs to be chopped down and reduced to a lifeless stump. And we know what that is like. We know what it's like for those things that are our pride and joy not to turn out the way that we had wanted them to. Not everything that we touch in life turns to gold. Sometimes we make a big mess of it. Not everyone that we meet in life likes us. Some people think we're the worst, and we've given them good reason to. Not everything that we do in life is kind and compassionate and caring and humane. Some of it is self-centered and narcissistic. Not everything that we do turns out the way that we want it to. Sometimes those buildings we construct get reduced to rubble. Sometimes those trees that we are so proud of get chopped down and reduced to nothing. It isn't easy. It isn't fun. But it's good and it's necessary. Why? Because it drives us, really even forces us to once again embrace not those things that we decide to put our name on, but instead the name that has been given to us through faith in Christ Jesus. It forces us to once again remember the fact that we are baptized, that we've been adopted into God's family. Forces us to once again long to hear the words of Jesus, to dig into the scriptures where we find that the main character of the story, the hero of the tale is not us, but is the king who lived for us and in our place. It causes us to hunger for the meal that the king himself has invited us to, where the king himself serves, where he gives us his own body and blood to further solidify and cement our relationship with him. It's not fun, it's not easy, but it's necessary and it's good. Those times in life where things don't turn out the way that we want them to, where, where we look at the things where we had been so eager and excited to, to attach our name, only to later want to remove our name from it, forces us to once again embrace the name that is ours as citizens of the king. It's the, something that keeps happening over and over and over again, just like clockwork. And in fact, that's exactly what Jeremiah had predicted. Of course, they didn't have clocks in Jeremiah's day, not mechanical ones anyways. Those wouldn't be invented for another 2,000 years. But of course, in Jeremiah's day, they very much did keep time. Instead of using something mechanical, they would have used something a little bit more natural. The rising and the setting of the sun that ushers in 
both day and night. That daily rhythm, that daily cycle that operates like clockwork and also reminds us that life is cyclical. Very often, all seems dark. God's presence seems to be hidden from our eyes. Very often, we look around at everything that we see in our world, including our own behavior, and it all seems dark. It all seems evil. But that drives us back to the light. That forces us to go up close and personal with the light that God himself provides. It forces us to go to the place where we can once again see God's warm, smiling, kind countenance toward us. The place where his forgiveness and his love for us are visible. The place where his presence can be seen and tasted and touched. It works just like clockwork. The kind of clockwork that Jeremiah prophesied. In fact, just a few verses after the ones that are in front of us today, here's what Jeremiah said. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David, my servant, can be broken. God's promises to us are as certain as the daily rising and setting of the sun, as certain as night and day. And they also show us how God's promises follow a pattern. There are times when it is night, when God's presence seems to be hidden, and it drives us back into the light where God's presence can be seen plain as day. Just like clockwork, over and over again. Now, I got to say, I, I hope I didn't ruin anyone's Thanksgiving weekend when I mentioned before news about this new COVID variant. I know it hasn't been in the news very long. If you haven't heard about it already, you're going to be hearing about it, I'm sure, a whole lot in the next several weeks. This one they are calling the Omicron variant. Now, one thing that's interesting to me, at least, about all of those variants is that, as you maybe know, they are named after Greek letters, Greek, the language that the New Testament was originally written in. So you've got the Delta variant, now the Omicron variant. Who knows, maybe by the end of it, you'll know all 24 letters of the Greek alphabet. Well, a couple of letters from the Greek alphabet were on my mind this week as we started out a brand new church year with this first Sunday in Advent. In our church body's new hymnal, there is a page where, where the church year is mapped out with all of its seasons and all of its festivals. And on the top of that page, there is some artwork. First of all, notice how the symbol is more or less circular, reminding us of the cyclical nature of life. There are symbols for both day and night. There are symbols for winter, spring, summer, and fall. Round and round it goes, but right in the very center, two Greek letters. Two Greek letters that Jesus himself claims as a name for himself, Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is from everlasting to everlasting. So with all the, very all the, all the different seasons and cycles in life, round and round we go with Jesus right in the middle. With everything else that changes, he is the one constant, the one thing on which we can always depend. 
which makes him the perfect light for the rest of our lives to revolve around year in and year out. Amen.